What's up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Fire and Ice NFL Edition brought to you by Sportstopia. I'm Simon, joined as always by my friend Stu, and we've got Terrell Furman joining us here ever so shortly. Stu, week two is in the books, and things are a little bit less clear than I thought they would be after another week. We got some questions answered, but then about a million more questions thrown onto our plate. Immediate reactions, just one word emotion, how you're feeling after week two's done. Hey. <laughs> my fantasy teams, some of my bets, some of these injuries. There's a lot of pain in week two. Like you said, obviously, we think all these questions are going to be answered. We think we're going to be enlightened by week number two. And then, you know, these NFL coaches, man, they get paid to confuse us. And a lot of interesting stuff happens. So week three, waiver wire, a lot of fun stuff to go over today. Excited to kind of dive into the weeds and hopefully avoid some pain for next week. Avoid some pain, avoid some fool's gold, and help you guys find the real gems sitting there on the waiver wire. Uh, before we get into that, though, I did want to remind everybody about the Fantasy Sports Logics Contrarian Optimizer. We're going to have a QR code up here on the screen. If you paid attention to some of our stacks and props that we put out last week, we were using the Contrarian Optimizer to help out with some of those, and some of those stacks hit big time, baby. So scan that QR code, sign up for a seven-day test drive for just $1, and help get your week three lineups primed and ready early this week uh, to go out there and try to help you take down some of those big tournaments. Now, with that being said, I think we should go ahead and get into the waiver wire. It's another busy week. Week one was hot on the waiver wire. We had some big names, and they came out and played big. Puka Nakua, if you picked him up and put him in your lineup, it paid off. Kyron Williams, if you picked him up and put him in your lineup, it paid off. And I mean, even a Gus Edwards, though it wasn't as showy, he got you enough points that you were happy throwing him in your lineup. We'll see if we get the same results from this week. I think we start at the running back position, though, Stu. Joining us right now in time for the running backs, we got Terrell Furman with us. What's up, Terrell? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, big week. Puka Nakua. It, I, he, he's getting the Cooper Cup targets. He's getting the Cooper Cup routes. He's essentially Cooper Cup for the next two weeks. Now, I guess before we move on to this week's waiver wire, Puka Nakua, the waiver wire darling of last week, Still out there in about 20% of leagues, so check your waiver wire. He's probably not, but that number should be at 100%, not around 80% where it's hovering. Um, Stu, I'm going to throw this your way first. When Cooper Cup comes back, we've now seen games of 15 targets and 20 targets for Puka Nakua. Does he have a fantasy-relevant role even when Cooper Cup enters this offense? I think he deserves to be rostered on your fantasy team no matter what, right? Does he have like this high upside 10 target a game role? Probably not. Are you going to feel comfortable starting him with Cooper Cup in the lineup? Probably not because you got to remember a lot of these targets are low A dot. He's getting the ball out fast. He's the first read in this offense. And we know Cooper Cup is going to be that first read. So when you're compiling these crazy 10 target games consistently and that's what's providing your value, then it's really going to hurt when you have, you know, obviously a number one wide receiver in Cooper Cup. So for me, I think a guy like Tutu Atwell has a little bit more standalone value than Puka when he comes back. But Puka winning on the outside was enough confidence to have me, um, or sorry, have me keep him over a guy like Van Jefferson, who I think will be the odd man out in this offense. Absolutely. Terrell, are you feeling similarly about Puka Nakua? Maybe it definitely takes away his upside, but there's still something to be had. Yeah, I think it, it definitely is. Are we going to see 20 targets again? Probably not, but uh, they seem like they have a role for him and they like him in his offense. And Van Jefferson just kind of seems like that you know, ugly stepchild that's just kind of hanging around and, you know, hey, you're here, but you're not Cinderella. Like, <laughs> no, you're not Cinderella. You could be one of the other two, but that's exactly what it looks like Van Jefferson is. So I, as for me, Van Jefferson has no point in value now ever at all. Probably going to, yeah, it, it was a good try. We we were rolling with you for a long time, Van, but it's, it's that's it. I don't think there's anything for Van Jefferson. Tutu Atwell is fun in best ball. I think he's a really good best ball, uh, best ball guy. So if you got him in best ball, your best ball ownership's there, then great. But in terms of season long, I don't think I would know when to start him. It's clear cut to me when Cooper Cup comes back. It's Cooper Cup one, Puka Nakua is number two. 
I know when you start them, when your opponent's projected to beat you by 40 plus points, that's when you plug in your two, two Atwells, your Marvin Mims, just these guys that like, let's get a touchdown, baby. See and, and if you have my luck, you probably be better just leaving the roster spot open. <laughs> They'll get you negative two points and then uh, get injured and taken out of the game. We got some people in the chat ready for today's show. Jalen, you're saying, oh, yes, Lunas. No, it's not. If my Spanish is not mistaken me, I believe today's Tuesday. And I think that means Monday. Pretty sure Jay, that means Monday. Jane here with the hey, hey, what's up, Jay? Welcome in. And if you guys have questions for us, especially waiver wire questions, throw them in the chat. We're going to be breaking down the best waiver wire pickups today. We'd be more than happy to answer anything you throw our way. Let's start with the biggest news. Unfortunately, last night during the Browns Steelers game, Nick Chubb went down with a, a pretty gruesome knee injury, definitely out the rest of the season. And now it's just fingers crossed waiting for some positive news to come out that he'll be able to return next year. With that being said, we saw Jerome Ford pretty much take over everything except for those two goal, down, goal line carries that Pierre Strong got. Um, it was 16 carries for Jerome Ford, including that one beautiful cutback 69-yard run that set up the one-yard run for Pierre Strong to punch it into the end zone. Stu, when you're looking at a guy like Jerome Ford, how much are you prioritizing him on the waiver wire this week? Yeah, I think he's probably got to be your number one priority, especially if you're kind of struggling at the running back position. I know in some of my leagues, right, I'm sitting here with like a Brees Hall and Antonio Gibson. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to start next week. I think a guy like Ford kind of provides that immediate value. The only interesting thing is you mentioned that huge run. I wonder how we talk about Jerome Ford if he's just tackled for a loss on that play. And the stat sheet suddenly isn't as impressive, right? The volume is great, but he doesn't make that one spectacular play. And you're looking at a pretty pedestrian stat line. But that being yeah. said, I've watched him a lot at Cincinnati. I was betting on that team a lot at the time. I think he's probably the more talented running back in the room. Him not having that touchdown upside can be a little bit frustrating. It looks like Pierre Strong's kind of got that on lock right there but it does look like he has the pass catching upside which is definitely what we like to see on those two minute drills especially towards the end of that game i don't know about you guys i'm not super worried about a cam makers here i'm not super worried about a cream hunt i think even if these guys are brought in i think a guy like Ford, and even a guy like strong is arguably better at this point in their careers or at least on the same level where i wouldn't be too worried about those guys so i like Ford. i have some running back struggles like i mentioned i'm going out to get him wherever i can Terrell, whenever you're looking at this situation, Stu mentioned the other names that might be brought in. Because right now in that running back room, it is Jerome Ford, and then it's Pierre Strong, and then, I don't know, they're plugging Elijah Moore in to carry the ball after that. Um, it's getting pretty gross. Are you more worried about a Kareem Hunt or a Cam Akers or anybody like that? Uh, hey, Kareem. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you free? You, you've been working out? You've been straight. You've been cool. Everything's been good. Hey, look, so I know that it looked like we didn't want to pay you, and we look like it didn't value, but I promise you that's not what it is. It was just a big, complete misunderstanding. I promise. No, no, no. You don't have to worry about Nick no more. You don't have to worry about her anymore. It, it, you're good. That's literally what it is. You're trying to tell that your side girl, that your main girl's no longer here in the picture, and it's all about her. And that's what they need to be doing on the phone with Kareem Hunt right now, because I, for one, am not a believer in Jerome Ford and being the starting running back in this group. I'm not... It seems like the men in black have come down with the neutralizers and made us forget, but I'm here to remind you that they brought in Pierre Strong because they didn't think Jerome Ford could be the guy. Jerome Ford was in a three-way competition the whole offseason for the second running back spot. Now, did they think they were actually going to need that spot? No. But now you have, you're in a situation where you're going to need a back that can carry that workload. And again, as to what Stu was talking about, take away that one rush for 69 yards and you're sitting on a 15, 15 rushes for 37 yards on the day. And so what luckily he has going for him is I don't know if Pierre Strong is actually a really, really a thing at the goal line. I think Pierre Strong just came in because Jerome Ford just rushed for 69 yards and he was I'm dog tired you. and had to come out the game. But I'm pretty sure that's what it what it is more than he's not getting the goal line carry. So if you're up on four, then you still have a chance for goal line carries, I think. But ultimately, I don't think that this Cleveland Browns team was bought into who they had backing up Nick Chubb. And now they're really, really, really panicking. And I'm almost positive they have to be on the phone with Kareem Hunt. Like, there's no way you don't bring Kareem Hunt back after Nick Chubb goes down for the season. And you think that this defense is good enough to give you a shot at the division. 
Yeah, the veteran running back who knows the offense seems like a no-brainer for them to bring in if they can get it done, if he's not too spurned by their uh, their offseason treatment of him. But I do find myself maybe a little bit more excited about Jerome Ford. I'm trying to remove the bias from that long run there, but it's the 16 carries that he got in that game yesterday that's given me a little bit of hope. Even though he wasn't wildly efficient outside of that big run, they're giving him a shot at it. And maybe next week we see him come out, run for 1.8 yards per carry, and it's the Kareem Hunt show after that. But I think Jerome Ford's going to get a crack at being the Nick Chubb-esque replacement to the best of the ability that the Browns can manage to pull something like that off. Yeah, and I also want to say, too, I mean, a guy like Ford was dealing with some preseason injuries. I think that probably plays into why Pierre Strong was brought in a little bit more than just a blind lack of faith. I think it was more like Jerome Ford is our only running back on the roster. Like, we definitely need to bring someone in. I think Pierre Strong was a clear-cut guy as someone that was not really going to find that path over in New New England, very low risk. Um, I still wouldn't be super, super worried. I think they're both in a competition. And as for a guy like Kareem Hunt, I feel like people are going to be throwing out these boogeymen, Leonard Ford. Fournette, Kareem Hunt, all these guys, Cam Akers, they're going to come and steal your fantasy points. Well, they're not in the league right now for a reason, right? I mean, like, let's all, we can watch as many 2015 Kareem highlights as, or Kareem Hunt highlights as we want, right? But the guy is not in the league right now for a reason, right? 32 teams have looked at their running back room and gone, I don't think we need to pay this guy a million bucks. I really don't. And they've kept their guys. So for me, I'm not super, super worried. Although I am praying it's Leonard Fournette with my 25% best ball exposure. I was going to say Leonard Fournette though. Like we look at that to your point of it, not being uh, there's a reason they aren't signed. Leonard Fournette looked great for most of last season. I know towards the end of the year Rashad white took over, but he looked like a running back who should have a job in this league. There are worse running backs sitting on rosters right now, but you're right. It's it comes down to what the price is going to be. And there's some other teams that may be looking at needing running back replacements. There was another injury this week, though hopefully not as major. Jamal Williams went down on the New Orleans Saints in game, joining Kendra Miller, who was already injured, and Alvin Kamara, who still has one more game on that suspension, leading to Tony Jones Jr. and Taysom Hill getting the bulk of the carries in this game. Terrell, whenever you look at this New Orleans Saints running back room, completely depleted, are you throwing out uh, waiver wire bids on Tony Jones in week three? No, I'm 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 not. I I'm really not. And maybe you can go out here. I just don't see a situation that I would have, and hopefully nobody else has, where I'm that far down that I need I have to start Tony Jones Jr. and that is the guy. Like that that is the deep you know RB zero. You lost even those RBs, and now you're Tony Jones is way down on the wire. I I don't know how much I'm looking into the touchdowns and against Charlotte. I really don't know how much I'm looking into the touchdowns, and I think that they just got in a good position. They gave it to him next week. They may decide that they want to do a quarterback sneak with Taysom Hill, and Taysom Hill has two touchdowns. Like there, there's so many different things because they're just piecemealing it, trying to figure it together. And meanwhile, Derek Carr is out here throwing a million times down the field. So I, I'm really not really interested in Tony Jones. I just don't think the talent is there for me where I feel like I want to spend up on Fav or use a number one waiver priority on him. Uh, I'd rather deal with what I have. Or if I were to make a play on anybody, uh, it would probably be Taysom Hill, and you can't even do that in fantasy and running back position. So uh, I I think that I'm good on Jones. Terrell, what you said was exactly uh, what I'm thinking is, if I'm picking up anyone because of the running back injuries, it's Taysom Hill. We've seen so far this year, eight to 10 PPR points is enough to be a top 12 tight end. If you're telling me Taysom Hill is going to start getting some rushing work, that's more consistency than we can ask for out of almost every non-top seven tight end in the fantasy landscape. Uh, So I'll just take that consistency. And who knows? That dude can just catch a 40-yard touchdown, throw a 40-yard touchdown, and run for a 40-yard touchdown at any given time during those games. Stu, you got any more optimism for Tony Jones? He did have two touchdowns, or is this the week three waiver wire fool's gold we're looking at? No, I'm with you guys fully right here. I mean, Tony Jones, he's the same guy that had like 15 carries for 16 yards in a primetime game last year. We've seen the Tony Jones experience, right? We've seen what happens when the guy gets the bell cow roll. It's not good. It's kind of, it's the talent thing for me at the end of the day. Like I said with Ford, I watch the guy a lot. I trust that the talent is there. I've unfortunately watched a lot of Tony Jones Jr. as well, and I'm just not confident in his ability. Um, Kendra Miller could be a little bit interesting, but I mean, obviously coming off of, 
um, an injury, it's going to be very hard to send him out there and start him with any kind of, you know, you know, respect at all. So for me, I'm just passing on that Saints backfield, and I'm going to hopefully get some Taysom Hill like you guys. Add some Taysom Hill. God, I feel gross saying it. Every year I'm like, no, I'm not going back to the Taysom Hill well this year. And then every year at some point in the season, it just makes too much sense not to plug him into your lineup. Well, I mean, according to the Fox broadcaster, he's one of the best players of all time. So I heard him say that. How could you not want to have one of the best players of all time on your roster in Taysom Hill? Yeah, those broadcasters yesterday were sassy in both games. They both, like, on the Browns game, they kept saying, like, as this game plods along. You could tell they were, like, sick of being there by the third quarter. They were, like, and with still eight minutes left in the third quarter. Like, they kept adding qualifiers. The Saints Saints announcer was feeling Taysom Hill, too. If we just, like, look at it. And I'm trying to pull up the uh, tight end list. At what point is it, like, a bad idea? Like, of course, you're not. We know Kelsey, TJ uh, Hawkinson, Darren Waller, all the top. But, at what, like, are you playing Sam Laporta or are you playing Taysom Hill? That's close. Sam Laporta, though, it, like after this week has definitely jumped up for me in terms of like startability, seeing his usage two weeks in a row. Um, I'd probably go Sam Laporta, but any of the guys where I don't trust that volume at all, like where it's a, they need a touchdown or I'm going to be disappointed, that's probably where I start Taysom Hayden Hill. Hayden Hurst or Taysom Hill? Give me Taysom Hill. Easy. Hill. Uh, Luke Musgrave or Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill for the time being. Luke Musgrave has the snaps, has the routes, but he doesn't have the volume yet for me to trust him. So I'm going to go Taysom Hill. Last one. I think this one is a little mm, – David Njoku or Taysom Hill? Who are they playing, like, next week? Who are, who are the, the Browns playing? The Browns next week have the Titans and then the Ravens the week after that. So I think I'm rolling in Joku there. That might be where my line is. Yeah, I, I, I but the, the, it's it's a decent line because in Joku's, you know, he's not the bottom of tight ends. Like this is tight end ten, tight end eleven territory that Taysom Hill could be in, and it could be for doing literally nothing tight end related. He could throw one pass and have nine carries, and all of a sudden he's tight end eleven on the week. He can doesn't even have to one, score. on the one yard line. Get in go, the goal line, and now he's. Just like that, so I think tight. I think Taysom Hill is actually a legit target just because of the fact of they're going to they're going to have to use him now. And the more he's on the field, the more opportunity he has for fantasy points. He's my um top tight end ad this week. If you look at the waiver wire article coming out on Sportstopia later this week, um, we had a question in here from Aaron Ross before we move on from these New Orleans Saints. Wants to know if Mike Evans is a sell high after two hot weeks with Baker Mayfield, Terrell. What are you doing with Mike Evans right now? Are you holding them and saying this is a magic connection between Baker and Mike, or are you trying to sell them after two good weeks in a row before they go up against the Philadelphia Eagles in week three? So this is actually a dilemma that I'm struggling with in my home league now because I did I do have Mike Evans. Uh, I'm sitting on Mike Evans, Garrett Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, who hasn't shown anything recently, uh, Michael Thomas, as well and i have christian kirk uh, believe it or not who i didn't start at all and i was actually looking to move and so he, well i'm definitely looking to move him now with this 11 catch 110 yard day but i i don't know I, I i mean i think that at some point it's just the we think about all the different quarterbacks that mike evans has been a thousand yard receiver with and we're talking I mean, you can say Tom Brady as much as you want Brady's Brady, but Brady was on the decline at that point. Yeah. You have Jameis Winston, you have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like so many quarterbacks that he's consistently been. And it's like, well, can he do that with Baker? And it kind of looks like he can. I don't know if I'm willing to sell because I think Mike Evans is just Mike Evans good. I, I think I'm holding on to him. I'm with you. And, uh, He's on pace. You mentioned a thousand yards. Right now, this dude's on pace for over two thousand yards, but that's because of the insane game that he had this past week. And I'm not expecting that to continue. But what I am expecting to continue is 
Baker Mayfield has looked like an above average quarterback through two weeks, not a world beater, but above average. And we've seen that before from him. We saw it from him in Cleveland for stretches when he wasn't injured, uh, when he wasn't a rookie. And even when he was a rookie, we saw him break the rookie touchdown record that he held on to for like a season. Um, I expect that to continue here. And when I look at this Eagles defense, at first I was like, uh oh, maybe this is the time where you back off on Baker, back off on Mike Evans. Go look at the first two weeks for the Eagles. Both Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins have thrown for over 300 yards on that Eagles defense that's supposed to be one of the best secondaries in the league. I think they get it together, but maybe not in week three. Maybe not right away. I'm not as scared of starting Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans in this week as I was maybe at the beginning of the season I in this matchup. Yeah, and two, one more factor to point out is I'm not a believer in the run game. I mean, Rashad White is consistently profiled as one of the least efficient running backs dating back to last year whenever he's got his opportunity. I'm not really a fan of him in the bell cow role. I think when you continue to struggle in those early downs, you force yourself into third and eight more often than you'd like to be. Then you got to take those deep shots with a guy like Mike Evans. And if you look at the Bucks playbook through two games, it is check the ball down, check the ball down, check the ball down, 40 yards to Mike Evans, check the ball down, 40. Like, it's very, it's it's not too crazy, but I think that's what no. you need to do with a guy like Baker Mayfield. You're highlighting the strength, get the ball up quick, and then let him take that deep ball because we know he's had it over the course of his career. It's just kind of the intermediate game, making decisions outside the pocket. That's when things get a little bit crazy for Baker. And I think the Eagles defensive line is probably going to punish him for that a little bit next week. But I agree, this is obviously way better quarterback play than we were expecting coming into the year. Sorry, Kyle Trask, truthers out there. Uh, Who are we, the Matrix? <laughs> got to get my boy Stu out of the Matrix, man. They got my boy Stu in the Matrix. We'll bring him back. Yeah, we'll hopefully get him back in here shortly. We had a couple more running backs I wanted to ask you about, Terrell, specifically that New York Giants situation with Saquon Barkley having an ankle sprain, going to miss three weeks is what they say. So now we're looking at some combination of Maparita, Eric Gray, Gary Brightwell, and not a single one of those names gets me too excited. I think I default to Burita just because I've seen him do it the most in his career. He's the veteran presence. It seems the safest, but there's real temptation for – a guy like Gary Brightwell, who we've seen flash on special teams. And there's even more temptation for the rookie that we've seen nothing out of, not a single offensive snap, but then it could be anything. Um, Terrell, what are you doing with this New York Giants running back situation on the waiver wire this week? <sighs> we just have to come to the fact that Saquon is probably going to get injured every single season. And uh, if you get a full season out of Saquon Barkley, you need to go and submit a lottery ticket. This is coming from a Giants fan that it, it, it just in a meaningless, meaningless run at the end of the game, he is now out for three weeks. And, you know, it's painful. It's painful. So now we have to figure out this R back, this running back room. As of right now, from what I'm understanding from the organization is that Eric Gray kind of can fit in there. Of course, Breed is probably going to get the start, but Eric Gray is probably going to get a lot of the early down work. Breed is going to come in and change of pace, catch out the backfield, do pass protection, do a lot of that other stuff. But when Hart knows running, they're probably going to go to the rookie running back. Uh, your best running back that you're going to trust for the New York Giants is Daniel Jones. And that that's ultimately it. Daniel Jones rushing is probably going to be at some of the all-time highest on Thursday night because they don't have another option to go to. And it's a short week and they're trying to figure it out. I don't expect much from the running back room. I'm not looking to bring anybody in for a game against the San Francisco 49ers on the road. Definitely not looking to do that. If you think that, you know, you're looking for a prop or anything, bet Daniel Jones rushing yards is easy play here. He's probably going to run the ball close to 20 times. Yeah, with that 49ers matchup looming, that being one-third of the games that you're going to get out of whichever back you choose here, definitely is tough. Stu, do you have any more preference towards one of these three backs, or is it a hands-off situation for you as well? Yeah, the only thing I can really think of is if your roster is looking like perfect right now, maybe you just stash Gray and you just hope something like that happens. You hope he, you know, turns out to be a really good running back. Because like Terrell said, I mean, Brett, Matt, we know what Matt Breida is, right? He's going to go out there, pass, protect, you know, get a couple of carries. But 
Oof, this is a brutal matchup coming up right here. I think it actually might be more than a three window to give a little credit, right? Saquon Barkley has dealt with these, you know, leg injuries throughout his whole career, right? I would be a little bit surprised if he's kind of instantly back um, in three weeks. And I mean, the Giants kind of trajectory might affect that too. Who knows um, how the Giants are going to turn out these next couple of weeks. It hasn't been a great start. <laughs> they snatched that victory from the jaws of defeat this weekend. The Arizona Cardinals gifted that to them. But we'll see. That team last year got crap for being the worst undefeated team in NFL history, and then they went on and made the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. It's a long season. One more running back I wanted to hit on before we moved on to another position here. Week one, uh, Roshan Johnson kind of blew onto the scene in a weird game against the Green Bay Packers, even out-snapped Khalil Herbert in week one. Week two, did not out-snap Khalil Herbert. Still sitting out there on the waiver wire in about 50% of leagues, but did have a good day on the ground. He was more efficient than Khalil Herbert on the ground with the work he was given and was only out-snapped by like eight or nine snaps this game. Um, I had the belief that maybe towards the middle end of the season, we would see Roshan start taking over. But with Deonta Foreman being a healthy scratch um, for week two, it gives maybe some clues that they're inching towards trusting Roshan earlier rather than later. Terrell, do you have interest in Roshan Johnson if he's sitting out there on your waiver wire like he is in half a leagues? Oh, I love Roshan Johnson. I was the person that, well, I, I went on airways all preseason and I said, hey, y'all like B. John Robinson. There's a guy that backed him up. That is, I wouldn't say he's just as good, but he's pretty good in Roshan Johnson. And he's over there in Chicago. And I said that I felt like he was going to be the starting back before the end of the year. And now we're getting the opportunity. We could be getting that opportunity. We could start to see a lot more of Roshan Johnson. And really, honestly, truly, they need to do anything at, at all possible to keep the ball out of Justin Fields' hands. So if, if it's Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert, I don't care if they call Leonard Fournette or Kareem, or Kareem Hunt off the uh streets and tell them to come in you want anything possible to keep the ball from having from justin fields having to throw the ball 50 times a game so 100 percent, i think roshan johnson is the play here and i like him to go in and be able to win over this backfield if the opportunity comes i think he's a great tremendous talent he's able to cast uh, catch passes out the backfield he's able to run the ball effectively again very very good for Bijan uh as a backup to Bijan robinson and he has none of the tread on the tires completely fresh running back i expect him to see him do really really well and really similar to a lot of backs we've seen that have come in from college being the second to a really really good starter Stu, if you're looking at your running back waiver wire, and you mentioned you're you're struggling at running back in a couple of leagues, right? You got you got that pain point. You need to find a solution. And Jerome Ford and Roshan Johnson are sitting there. Which one are you prioritizing? Jerome Ford looks like he's got that starting job, but there's maybe some more uncertainty, and we've seen less of it from him. Roshan Johnson, two weeks, small sample size, but trending the right direction. Which way is it going to be for you? Yeah, I need Jerome Ford. I can't start Antonio Gibson anymore. I can't stare at Antonio Gibson anymore. So for that reason, it's got to be kind of the immediate fix in a guy like Jerome Ford. But Roshan Johnson, he's shown the long-term path to upside. I'm just not worried they're going to be in a game script where they're going to be able to comfortably run enough where we love this or be in the end zone enough where we get that touchdown upside. So I love the pass blocking. I love the skill set, but I don't love the long-term outlook. Yeah, that makes sense. I think if you're uh, looking for that immediate start, like you said there, Stu, then Jerome Ford definitely makes more sense. But season long, like you're pointing out, Terrell, and that may come to fruition sooner rather than later. In the next uh -huh. couple of weeks, we may start seeing that transition. Roshan Johnson's probably the dude. Are you comfortable starting him now? Like if you needed to plug in a running back, are you comfortable plugging in Roshan Johnson with the work that he's been getting? Um, let's see, the first two weeks, five attempts, four attempts, and then seven targets, two targets. So it's not like he's getting a ton already, but he is being worked into this offense. The the targets is really, really interesting, and it makes me really consider in a very, very deep league uh, being able to come in and automatically start him. I would prefer to wait. I, I, I'm fine being a week behind, especially if I'm in a situation where I don't need – that heavy duty starter right now. I'm fine being a week behind, but if you're not and you need to take a chance, you should be really, really impressed by the target load that he's uh, again, six for seven, 35 yards. That is crazy in PPR for somebody that was going basically free 
And so, yeah, I think that if you see an increased workload with the fact that he's catching passes and they're actually targeting him and he's completing the targets, definitely fine being able to start him in. I mean, you get Kansas City this week where they've historically been very terrible against the running back excuse me been very bad against the receiving running back and also giving up some rush yards to running backs as well so if he's going to get a full workload then he may be a play in kansas city but i'm perfectly fine missing out on one week and just seeing the increased workload before putting all my eggs in one basket having him sit there on the bench while we wait and see if we can get it Stu, we're going to check and see if we got you back from the matrix or if they're still claiming you at this point yeah can you hear me am i good Nah, it sounds like they are got a tight grip on you. Hopefully we can get this yep. figured out, get you back up here. But with that being said, let's move into some running back or some wide receiver waiver wire talk now. We got to start with an entire team of wide receivers right now because there's a rookie quarterback balling out in a way that I don't think people were expecting. And his name is C.J. Stroud with over 600 yards through two games, 626 passing yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. He's making it work for some of the receivers there when rookie quarterbacks generally aren't known for being able to support more than one good fantasy option. Mm -hmm. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, and Robert Woods all saw nine-plus targets this weekend. Tank Dell and Nico Collins stealing the show, though, for fantasy purposes. Terrell, all of these guys are pretty widely available on the waiver wire. Nico Collins, the least available at 50%. Tank Dell, I think, sitting down there around 20%, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 20% rostered. And then we've got Robert Woods even lower sitting at like 15%. What are you doing with these Texans wide receivers? Are you buying into the volume of passes that CJ Stroud's chucking? I am. I think that there, there's definitely some flex appeal. If you paid uh, Nico Collins, I'm pretty sure Nico Collins was in the million dollar make lineup this weekend. And well, I know I played him at least. I'm pretty sure he was in the million dollar lineup as well, but uh, he had a very, very good day. And it's, I mean, garbage time. That's really all you're really hoping for. All of that happened in garbage time where Stroud had to throw to keep up. They sat there and they were trying to, you know, Anthony Richardson had them up three touchdowns or something like that before he went out. Then, then the Texans are trying to get a second life. And that's why they started passing, 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 running down the field and kind of taking advantage of this Colts defense. But it, it just seems like garbage time is really going to be your best thing for for these Texans wide receivers, and that's huge in DFS because all you need is one big day for somebody to have two touchdowns, and you're going to have a great day. Uh, C.J. Stroud, while there's still concerns for him as a NFL-level talent in terms of when the game is actually winnable, this – Week two showed me that even in games that I don't think the Texans have a chance, I may be interested in playing C.J. Stroud just because of the fact of 384 yards is not easy to come by. And so if I don't think your defense is legit enough, even if you have the offense like next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, where I think you can go up three scores on them. I don't think you have the defense that you're going to stop C.J. Stroud in garbage time, and that's going to make him very, very valuable for fantasy, whether it's season long or DFS. If they're going to let him chuck the ball 47 times in a game that they're losing in these blowout losses, then then I'm in. It's it's the same it's the same logic mm -hmm. we applied to Joe Flacco last year. It didn't matter that it was Joe Flacco chucking the ball. He's chucking it 50, 60 times. You play a quarterback like that because if they start throwing too many picks, they're not going to be chucking the ball 50, 60 times anymore after that. Now, when I look at these two young wide receivers, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, the trajectory is up right now. The amount mm -hmm. of snaps that he's played through two weeks is uh, he was hardly off the field in week two. Terrell, are you prioritizing one over the other if they're both sitting on your waiver wire? And I left Robert Woods out of it. So if it is Robert Woods, I apologize. And then tell me mm -hmm. that you prefer him over those other two guys. I think it's still I, – I, I don't know. Have we ever said 1A, 1B, 1C? <laughs> is that is that a thing? 1A, 1B, 1C? I, I mean, he's throwing the ball 40 times and he's targeting each guy like almost double-digit times. Like he's he's spreading the ball around and he's getting to where he feels comfortable. And he's just taking exactly what the defense gives him, which gives me some optimism for CJ Stroud going forward if he can just elevate his level of play a little bit. Because you look at this Robert Woods 
nine targets. Nico Collins, nine targets. Tank Dell, 10 targets. Like, even Dalton Schultz came in there, had seven targets. Like, they're, if they're going to continue to throw the ball so much, everybody's going to eat where I don't think there's just a clear cut number one. Now, of course, for me, it's going to be Nico Collins, and that's the guy that's been there. That's the guy we've seen uh, for a while. But we know Robert Woods can get busy. Tank Dell, like you said, the trajectory is skyrocketing, and he just added another seven for 72 and a touchdown to his resume. So if you told me you had one person over the other, I would not be mad at you at all. Stu, Terrell's got Nico Collins ahead. Tank Dell's snap share went up from 48% to 79% this week. And like you mentioned, double-digit targets, the most targets on the team. Are you prioritizing Tank Dell over Nico Collins, or are you with Terrell that it's Nico Collins, then Tank Dell? Nico Collins, to me, is the clear number one on this team, right? That's my clear priority. I think he's established himself as the number one target. But a guy like Tank Dell has also proven that he can separate at an NFL level. I'm impressed by the talent. And I think he's a guy that you're going to want on your fantasy team. So to be honest, if we're going to keep throwing this much, I'd like to have both of these guys on my team. How crazy. A rookie quarterback after week two, (laughs) we're saying add add all of his weapons if they're going to chuck the ball around this much. And the game scripts help out with that. So get your Texans wide receivers on the waiver wire in week three. Now we got a bunch of, for lack of a better word, big play wide receivers that I feel like kind of popped off in week two that are now some of the big names heading into week three. I'm going to start with my favorite, and I'm curious what you guys think about this player, Rashid Shahid for the New Orleans Saints. He didn't get the touchdown yesterday, but yet again, he showed that he seems to be Derek Carr's preferred downfield threat. Big play kind of guy. Had that big 45-yard catch yesterday to add on to the big game that he had in week one. I'm starting to build some trust that he's going to be an integral and consistent part of this offense going forward as much as the field stretcher kind of player can be. Terrell. Do you have interest in adding a guy like Rashid Shahid, or is he too much of a boom bust kind of play for you? He's too boom bust for me. I I, I just can't get there. I think that he's having a great couple weeks start the season, and it seems like Derek Carr wants to get him target so he can have those boom weeks. But I, I mean, that's something you scout out on tape, and is that going to be sustainable for an entire season or week to week? I just don't know. There could be a week where maybe Carr overthrows him, maybe Carr underthrows him, maybe they're just not on the same page. Like it's it's not the consistent workload. Like Michael Thomas had five targets in like the first two minutes of the game. So I, I know that I'm getting a workload with Michael Thomas. I know that I'm getting a workload with Dolave. I don't know what I'm getting out of Rashid. Maybe in a deeper league, I consider it if I'm really hurting, but I'd probably, probably rather pivot somewhere else. Like maybe I would 100% take any of the three Texans wide receivers over Rashid. Like that is 100%. I'd take any of the three Texans wide receivers over Rashid. Stu, are you with uh, Terrell there when it comes to how you're valuing Shahid or maybe a little more optimism? It's boomer bust. And I already told you guys, Tutu Atwell is my boomer bust pick, right? If I have to pick between these guys that are either going to give you, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14, or zero, I kind of already have my preference. I like the talent. I like the chemistry with Derek Carr. Obviously, going to him in a game-winning situation is a huge deal right there. But week to week, am I going to trust him over a lot of these consistent guys I already have in my lineup? Probably not. Man, the only thing that gives me pause towards a guy like Shahid is the the season-long value. I look at the wide receiver cores and how they're going to shape out through the rest of the season, and Cooper Cup is going to massively change the way this works. Um, I know that the Saints are currently struggling at running back, but the role that Rashid Shahid has in this offense seems to be with their entire wide receiver room relatively healthy. Um, Both are going to be inconsistent. I know Tutu is probably more exciting, but – I think I just feel a little bit safer in Shahid's role rest of season. So I'd roll Shahid out of the two. But, man, you can't be mad about getting excited about any of these uh, young Rams wide receivers right now either. You mentioned Tutu Atwell, Stu, and that's the next name sitting here on my list is another one of these big-name wide receivers. How high are you prioritizing a boom-bust kind of player like that for fantasy? Is it a – like are you putting down a fab bid or are you just hoping that you're going to be able to get him on waivers for $0? Yeah, I'd probably go real low in the fab department, maybe like 5%, 3%, just enough where if someone gets you with that one fab bid, which is very common, then you beat them, you know, but I'm not actively going super hard, especially because like I said, I mean, I went full on in my drafting strategy, zero RB, right? So I got plenty of wide receivers. I don't need to be starting Tutu Atwell over CD Lamb. You know, I'm sitting pretty good over there, but 
Um, if you are struggling at the wide receiver position, you need that boomer bust upside, then I'm not opposed to spending a little bit of fab. You just got to make sure it's very cheap because you got to know your competition. And it's not like people are running to grab two, two Atwell right now. No, there's other names that people are running to grab out there on the waiver wire. Another name that people might be running to grab a big play guy holding a whopping two targets for 113 yards this week is Denver Broncos rookie Marvin Mims. But he's a talk of the town. People are excited about what he could be. The volume is not there yet. The snaps are not there yet. But Terrell, are you putting him on your bench to stash or are you holding off on Marvin Mims and letting someone else take that waiver wire plunge? Uh, I'm I'm not. It's like it is so it would be so fun. It would be so fun. But I don't know when I would play him. At what point do I say, oh, yeah, I 100% am confident Marvin Mims is going to get one of those long, deep ball catches from Russell Wilson. Like, R Russ, they let Russ in the kitchen this week. They did. They let him in the kitchen, and then he burned himself. And then he burned himself. They ended up losing the game. It is, it, the wheels came off towards the end, and it was great while it lasted. It was really was. But I don't know week to week what this offense capability is doing. And if you're saying that I have an offense that is subpar, plus I have a boomer bust receiver, which is Mims, I, I, I just don't know. I have to see something of more consistency because you still have Cortland Sutton. You still have Jerry Judy. Like There's a lot of mouths to feed. Greg Dulcich, whenever he comes back, Adam Trotman stepping in there now. Um, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of mouths to feed over there, and I'm with you. When you're looking at these boom bust guys, that was exciting. That was fun, seeing mm -hmm. two catches for 113 yards. But whew, let's breathe and look at the usage for these guys. There are other players that do the same thing, that have a more established role right now. This is a luxury stash. If you've got deep benches or a loaded team and you can just see how the rest of the season plays out, one more wide receiver situation I wanted to touch on, Stu. I'm going to throw this one your way first. We saw Romeo Dubs come out week one, have a big week. But now Jaden Reed, the rookie, is the talk of the town, starting to up his involvement in this offense. Looks pretty good after two weeks. But we know Christian Watson's coming back soon. When you look at this wide receiver room in Green Bay, Dubs with the big week, week one. Jaden Reed showing flashes and the higher draft capital, second-round draft pick compared to Dubs sitting there a little bit lower. Who are you prioritizing, and do you think either one of them retains value once Watson's back? Oh, we cannot hear you, Stu. You might be muted. I'm going to have to throw this one to Terrell for the time being. Terrell, when you look at this wide receiver room, uh, what are you thinking between Romeo Dubs and Jaden Reed? Do you have one that's a strong preference? Yeah, I'm still on Romeo Dubs. Even though it was off week, it seems like it was just the read week. He got eight targets, four catches. And, you know, we're not even talking about the look that he get down. He got downfield. Uh, even Don uh, Wicks even got a downfield look. Like, they, it was multiple big plays that they were going for uh, for the Green Bay Packers there. Now, was this because it was short and love's first road game trying to get some big chunk plays you see they started the the game off with the flea flicker that went down the field for a pass interference they were able to move the ball so uh, i don't know exactly if one person is clear cut above the other in this offense right now i'm really waiting to see what does it look like when christian watson is back who is getting the snap share? Who's getting? Are we going to see three wide receiver sets the entire time? Is it going to be two wide receiver sets and J and Jaden Reed and Wicks are going to be um, on the sidelines competing and coming in and out and splitting carries like that? It seems like it's definitely Watson and Dubs when everybody's healthy, but it seems like they also really do like this wide receiver room. I don't think I'm ready to make a decision on Reed yet. I'm sure somebody's going to go out there and spend the fab and go out there, go get him, and they'll probably drop him in a week or two if they if he doesn't do anything ever again. But it's just a little bit too early for me. I like these guys a lot better in Dynasty. I hear you. If I'm deciding between these two, I really am worried for both of them about Christian Watson coming back. Uh, I believe in Christian Watson's talent and thinks once he's back in that lineup, uh, whoever wins out of these two guys will be the clear number two wide receiver. That being said, two weeks seeing the – uptick in targets for Jaden Reed, the uptick yeah. in snap share. It's, it's promising. If I have that extra spot, this is another one. We were talking about Mims as a luxury ad. These rookies right now, I don't necessarily want to plug them into my lineup. 
But the draft capital plus the upper trajectory through two weeks makes me want to have him on the back of my bench in case we do see that start to rise as the season goes on. But I'm with you. It's a bit too early to start crowning him like ahead of Romeo Dubs in this offense just because of one week where he out-targeted him. And it might be because A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell was matched up against Romeo Dobbs a large majority of that game. And so it could have been, hey, Dobbs isn't open. We just went to read because he was there, and it was the best play for us. And that's what I like about Jordan Love. Jordan Love doesn't force anything. He doesn't make a lot of really, really questionable decisions with the football. It's just more of he takes what the defense gives him. And I think this game, it was just more of Jayton Reed. Yeah, it was more Jayton Reed this week. We got some uh, fun wide receivers on the waiver wire, a lot of uncertainty, a couple wait and see. At the tight end position, we talked already about Taysom Hill, but I got to bring up a tight end that on sleeper leagues is available in more than 50% of leagues and through two weeks is the number two tight end on the season. Putting up 16.6 PPR points in week one, 17.2 in week two, and that's New England Patriots tight end Hunter Henry sitting mm -hmm. out there on the waiver wire and... 52% of leagues, 52% of leagues. He's still sitting out there. Terrell, are you buying into Hunter Henry as an every week start after two hot weeks? Or do you think he comes back down to earth closer to that tight end glob that we have seen from him the rest of his career? Buying in. I was never off. Oh, you were fully he, he, in. He was, he was back one of Mac Jones' favorite targets last year. And I think that the issue was that because – they had a defensive coordinator and a coach who ran a quarterback sneak on second and nine in his own four yard line calling plays that of course, Hunter Henry wasn't good last year. I mean, I, you go out there and you get plays called for you from a coach that went for it on second and nine from his own four yard line on a quarterback sneak and also a defensive coordinator. Like now you have Bill O'Brien who has somewhat of an offensive philosophy. Is it the best at times? No, it isn't. But he's actually an offensive play caller. And so now Hunter Henry is getting the situations where he can go back to thriving. I think that Hunter Henry should 100% be rostered in every single league. And if you're going out here streaming tight end, look no further than Hunter Henry. Like, this is exactly the play you need to go. He's the safety neck. He's the safety blanket. We know this uh, Patriots offense has always run on two tight end sets. So I'm not afraid of Mike Gusecki being in town now because you're still going to see a lot of Hunter Henry on the field. And Mac Jones has that relationship with him. When he gets in close, he looks for Hunter Henry. I think Hunter Henry absolutely should be rostered. And I'm going, I would go snag him up. He's not in a single league that I'm in. He's not available. He's got to be, um, he's got to be one of the tight ends with the highest probability to score a touchdown on any given week, given the way that Mac Jones hones in on him when they get down there in the red zone. And I think part of my disdain towards Hunter Henry was my doubt in Mac Jones as a quarterback going into this year, but through two weeks, I'm looking silly, and Mac Jones is looking like an above-average starter out there in the NFL. Um, so I'm I'm with you, Terrell. If Hunter Henry is sitting on your waiver wire, he should be rostered. And you owe it to yourself, even if you've got a Mark Andrews or a TJ Hawkinson, to probably put in some sort of bid on a Hunter Henry, just so he's not sitting out there for free for one of your other league mates to snag a potentially yep. top-five tight end rest of the season. Because if things keep rolling this way, that's how it's looking. Any other tight ends that you're staring at on the waiver wire? We talked Taysom Hill. We talked Hunter Henry. Luke Musgrave was brought up a little bit earlier in passing. Do you have a passion or incentive to pick up a Luke Musgrave before he starts getting involved? Not above the guys that we talked about, but I, I mean, it, it's just – so here's the difference between Laporta and Musgrave. And I think the big difference is that Laporta, Laporta is like an actual actual game plan. They are going to throw him the ball. They want to have yep. him in the offense. There's always been a thing of you don't play rookie tight ends. Why don't you play rookie tight ends? Because they just don't have the opportunity in the offense. There's always probably nine times out of ten a tight end in front of them or they have all these other wide receiver options. They just kind of – that, that person is just kind of there. And that's what it kind of feels like with Musgrave where, yes, is he talented? Yes, but you have Dobbs. You have Reed who played really well. You have Wicks who played really well. You have Watson coming back. Like it, it just makes it so hard to get excited about Luke Musgrave because they – 
they are trying to spread the ball around. And we didn't even mention that Aaron Jones didn't play in that game. So Aaron Jones is is still there when he comes back fully healthy. Dylan, they're still trying to work him in. So it's so many different options that I just feel like Luke Musgrave was on the bottom of the totem pole. Whereas if you look at Detroit with Sam Laporta, yeah, you have your obvious of uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. But after that, I mean, yeah, tossing a little bit of Josh Reynolds in there. A little bit of Marvin Jones Jr., but Laporta could really be there to be the number two targeted yeah. option in Detroit, and that's just so much more usage. So I don't think he has the same outlook as Laporta. I, I'm not really interested in Musgrave right now. I think that, again, Dynasty Stash, uh, maybe another year in the system would do him some a better good to get more targets, but I just don't see it right now for Musgrave. You I'm 100% a- taking Taysom Hill over him. I'm with you, and you, you're you probably too late on picking up Laporta if you do not already have him, but go and check, because in about 35% mm-hmm. of sleeper leagues, he is still out there, and I'm with you, Terrell. This goes back to kind of what we talked about with Zay Jones before he got injured in week two and things went crazy, but pay attention to what's going on in the preseason, the news coming mm-hmm. out of camp, and then which one of those are consistent with what happens in week one and week two. Same Laporta it's was the same thing with Trey McBride. World. Yeah, similar. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Same and right. that's that's what I wanted to bring up when you said, who are you targeting? I'm targeting Zach Ertz because it's the same thing with Trey McBride. He's a young tight end, second-year tight end, but there's somebody really good ahead of him, and they're just not going to give him the workload over him. Zach Ertz in this, this last week against the New York Giants had eight targets, six for 56 yards. Like, that's what? You do the math. That's 11.6 fantasy points right there. In a regular tight end league, not even talking tight end premium, a regular He's tight end league, that's special. double digits. That's he doesn't even have to do anything good. He just has to catch the ball whenever they chuck that's, it. That's it. Way. He had one catch of 17 yards, one long of 17 yards. Other than that, he just caught PPR, and that's what Josh Dobbs is going to do. I, If you're looking for tight end, look no further than Zach Ertz. I, I mean, if you're on you're on a tight end waiver wire and you're, it's looking barren and Zach Ertz is there, I would take him, 100% take him. I, I mean – as as good as Trey McBride and Musgrave sound, it's just not materializing for them now, and it's probably going to be something that you have to have them in a, a dynasty league and hold on to them and hope that it pops in the future, but it's definitely not happening right now for season long. Once you get over the fact that tight end does not have to be sexy, know what I mean? Stop trying to make a sexy mm-hmm. tight end happen. Just plug in your Zach Ertz, plug in your Gerald Everett's, and sometimes that's the best you can do. And Zach Ertz, I'm with you. He's taking your medicine this year, but it's going to be more than good for your fantasy team. Everybody watching, thank you so much for coming in. That is going to be it for our waiver wire NFL Fire and Ice show today. Stu, we're going to try to rescue from the Matrix before next week. Mm -hmm. Terrell, you and I are going to have to have a meeting after this to formulate some sort of plan. We'll get him back to the best of our ability. Before we go, Terrell, any players that we miss that you want to throw a quick shout out to everybody that they should be looking at on the waiver wire? Oh man, uh, I think we really hit on a lot of a lot of things. Uh, Craig Reynolds could be interesting. Detroit running back, he got a lot of carries. Everybody wants Gibbs to be a thing, and is that's not how they want to use them. Like they, they want to split time. And so, and they like Craig Reynolds. Like if you remember from hard knocks, yeah. they really do like Craig Reynolds. So Craig Reynolds could be a thing in the future uh, for the Detroit lions. And I'm interested to see, especially with Atlanta coming to town, if that is something that comes out soon. So uh, Craig Reynolds is probably one name that I would put throw out there as hey, keep your eye on them. Just keep your eye on them. Quick shout out to Craig Reynolds before we hop out of here. One more reminder, we got that QR code on the screen right there. Go and check out the Fantasy Sports Logics Contrarian Optimizer. If you scan that QR code, you can sign up for that seven-day test drive for just $1 and get that early head start on creating the best lineups for your week three tournaments out there. Until tomorrow, though, we are out of here. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night. Go recover from your double Monday night football hangover. And me and Terrell will see you with our friend Steezy tomorrow. Same time, same place, right here. Adios, everyone.